Hey everybody, welcome to Investing in Cannabis. I'm your host, Brandon David. As always, great show this week. We have Jake of Can, the super delicious low-dose beverage. Uh, we went over to their headquarters just around the block in Venice here. This was a, a while ago, pre-quarantine, no worries. Uh, but it's a great episode. We talk about them raising money, formulating the beverage, what it should taste like, how to market it. Uh, really great episode, again, from one of my uh, my favorite brands around. Uh, you're gonna love it, guys. I learned a ton, you're gonna learn a ton. Tune in, listen up, get acquainted. What did you wake up thinking about today? Ooh, today, um, that's a great question. So first I was racing to make this flight, so I was thinking about the flight. Um, but I think, uh, we've got like three or four really interesting, fun things going on. So we're launching this new flavor. Mm -hmm. Um, so thinking about that and, and the strategy and, and what we're going to do there. Mm -hmm. Um, it's our first sort of uh, outside the, f the three core flavors we launched with our first bit of flavor news. So we're very excited about it. Um, and then, uh, we're also working on delivery and delivery is like this interesting thing that we've been trying to figure out, mm -hmm. uh, as you know, um, the retail environment is really challenging, uh, particularly for a microdose product. And so one of the things that we deal with every day is how do you get um, our core customer who's best served by can doesn't necessarily go into a dispensary every day, maybe occasionally, but not every day. Um, how do you get to them? And for us, uh, we're really focused on meeting the customer where they are. And that is take some sort of form of delivery, right? We designed this product uh, in large part to be um, minimal behavior change from alcohol. It's in a can. It's a beverage. You drink it kind of like at the same potency as a light beer or a glass of wine. Mm -hmm. um, and that I think we were successful on. The, the, the behavior change that we didn't really think through was how do people buy it? And the, the reality is with most CPG, food and beverage products, products generally, um, you'll see them some type of marketing, maybe it's an advertisement, maybe it's an event. And then when you're going through your normal day shopping in traditional grocery store or retail, you'll see it again. And you'll be like, oh, that's the brand that I saw. Maybe I'll buy it. Um, that doesn't happen in cannabis, right? Mm -hmm. it, it's very, very rare because it's only the folks that are walking through dispensaries on a regular because basis. Because we have so few contact points with these products. Right. There's yeah. 600 dispensaries in, in the state of California. Um, and only like half of those are worth anything from your perspective i think anyway yeah i mean i think we, one of the things we're learning is is what what doors are, are great fits yeah. for can and which aren't yeah um and and part of the challenge that we have is you know in a world where your customer's not walking those those say 150 to 300 perfect dispensary doors um how do you get this product to them how do you get them to buy it and the reality is people are actually really good about working, um, interacting, going online with a brand, buying sort of delivery or, or e-commerce, right? So you have examples of D2C brands that do this really effectively. There's obviously a difference in cannabis because of the regulations and what we can and can't do. Um, Instacart is a good model. Like people have like, they're pretty accustomed to scheduled delivery in a two so hour So I want to unpack this a little bit. I've thought a lot about delivery in my life. Shout out OnFleet still. Uh, I still get deliveries from OnFleet. Like my flower right. code deliveries come from OnFleet, which still just like makes me feel really cool. But this D2C idea is sort of the holy grail for a brand like yourself because there's so much noise in the dispensary. Right. When you go in there, unless you're you or I and you're like studying what's going on, right. it pretty much all looks the same. And look, I, I think I'm at least at a point today where if you buy it 
in a licensed dispensary, you're going to be okay. It's not going to be terrible, but it also might not be great. Right. And I think one of the interesting ways to solve this that people have said is like, okay, well, what if I can communicate with my my constituency, to use a politician word, it's going through my head right now, but yeah, to how do I talk to my audience directly and get them the product? And I think there's a lot of people who tried, like Blackbird tried to do this. I think Tilt fucked that up, but Blackbird was working on that. Like, how are we going to get there? And more importantly, is that going to be the holy grail? Right. Everybody thinks it is. It's a great question. It, it is a holy grail in, in this sense. Is, this is how we think about it. We, we need it. It's necessary for survival of brands like ours, other brands that, that cater to a certain type of mainstream consumer that just hasn't shown up to the dispensary channel in the way that I think people expect it. Mm-hmm. Um, so we have to do it. We have to figure it out somehow. We're trying it a bunch of different ways. Um, but when it's successful, even if it gets to that sort of point that we would expect it to be, you know, and what you see in other brands in, in, in traditional food and beverage, we're still in a really tough box because we kept, you know, digital marketing isn't, isn't really a, a real resource that's available to cannabis brands today. That's sort of the lifeblood of a lot of these D2C brands um, in traditional food and beverage. And so we have to be more creative. We're still touching every single customer, often physically, like mm-hmm. in person, mm-hmm. um, and putting them through that D2C funnel. And so I think that will change over time. We'll have, you know, the dynamics are all in favor of these things getting easier um, to navigate and manage uh, as you're seeing more options pop up sort of white-labeled DDC options, um, but it's definitely a challenge. So based on this projection about the whole world and soccer moms wanting to drink weed, right? That's what we're talking about right. here. You guys have raised a substantial amount of money. How much How much at this point? Um, we've, we've raised $6.5 total. That's a big chunk of money. Five. That's yeah. a big chunk of money. So I know that you'll have an answer to this question because you've raised a big chunk of money. How much of today's cannabis market do you think could be your customer? Hmm. You know, if if it's not like the actual TAM, right? Maybe it's like a strategic TAM or something like that. Right, right. Yeah, Yeah, it's an interesting question that we think about all the time, um, but not in that way. So beverage is 1% to 2% of the market today. Mm -hmm. Um, We don't think about it as could it get to 20% of the market. That really isn't the way we think about it. The way we think about it is could we get of the existing people that use alcohol as their mild intoxicant of choice, 10 or 20% of their buzz, of their share of their buzz, right? That's a really interesting number. Now, I don't know what that ends up equating to like the Uh new cannabis market, but that's really kind of what we're fighting for. We think it can be really big. And the reason we think it can be really big is because of of the alcohol side, right? We're a social beverage company. We don't even think of ourselves as a cannabis company. We think of ourselves as a social beverage company um, whose products have a functional ingredient that happens to be cannabis, yeah. right? And, that, and that's that THC and CBD blend. Um, that's, what, that's where the energy is behind us. We're trying to change the way people socialize, mm-hmm. and we think we have a good shot at doing that. I mean, the alcohol industry, and I don't, I don't have the exact numbers, but if you take 10 to 20% of, of alcohol consumption, we're talking about tens of billions of dollars, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so we think cannabis beverage can be really, really big. We look out and see a ton of, of industry peers, both in cannabis and outside, selecting different functional ingredients, caffeine, other adaptogens, et cetera, throwing them into beverages, all riding this wave. 
of people that want to drink a little bit less. We're falling out of love with alcohol. Our hangovers are worse. Mm -hmm. Um, We're we still want to socialize. We still Mm -hmm. want to go out. Right. And there's this Mm -hmm. dichotomy of you're either drinking alcohol or you're sober. You're either going out and drinking alcohol or you're not. And we're trying to take back the word drinking. Like Mm -hmm. let's give people another option um, and drink can instead. Right. Or drink something else instead. We're seeing that play out across all sorts of categories in food and beverage. So one Um, of the key points that you just brought up there, which you didn't say directly, but is the onset time, right? So this has been a big problem with cannabis as a replacement for alcohol is that if it doesn't hit you fast enough, well, what good is it if you're high an hour and a half later? Right. It's, right. it's worthless, right? And again, we talked about Vertosa. So we could talk a little bit about that. I mean, what, what's different about can and the way it impacts you versus the... I mean, there's like got to be 500 competitors at this point, right? Right. There's, yeah, there's tons. And and, and to your earlier point about emulsion, like, does that even translate to this consumer? Do they even care? Do they even know about what's going on here? It's part of the challenge we have with cannabis product and and education. Um, Onset really matters. Uh, Alcohol is interesting and unique in the sense that from the very first sip, right, your cortisol levels are lowered. Now that some of that is, is sort of not pharmacological, it's psychosomatic that's related to sort of history of alcohol and what you know is coming. Um, but some of it is actually like a, a physical stress response that you have. And so beating that is going to be really hard. I don't know if we'll ever get that first sip sort of de-stress pharmacologically. Um, but with nano emulsions, um, with the way that, that the, the, the science has really advanced over the last year, year and a half, pretty dramatically, I think, on, on the emulsion side, um, we can get sort of 10-minute onset time. And, and that's pretty good compared to alcohol in terms of what you feel. It's and really good. It's really yeah. good. Um, and that may be the limit. I don't know. We'll see. Everybody has 10 minutes. Come on. Like, we'll see. Yeah. yeah I, I think it's, there's a big question if onset becomes a differentiator or not, right? Yeah. And the science will tell us that, and we'll, we'll learn that over yeah. time. Yeah. Um, I think our view is uh, those are things that as cannabis becomes more sophisticated, as real food scientists come in and, and do their work and, and labs with cannabis in mind, um, we'll see what that looks like. And, and over time, it'll probably um, become more of a commodity or at least will be tailored to each product, mm-hmm. right? Um, and I think that, uh, you know, where that ends up is, is interesting, but, but we also should be talking about offset, right? And how, like, when do you know you can have another? Do you feel the feeling of the cannabis buzz subside, which is a really important feeling, I think, in cannabis, especially because folks are so afraid of that, like, hour and a half, two hour hit. Like, is it still coming? Am I still building a buzz? Mm-hmm. Or has it sort of stopped? And I can get a sense of, like, what that peak looks like so I can maybe have another one. Mm-hmm. Um, we have such a low dose, right? Being at two milligrams of THC, it really enables people to have more of that control because at some point they'll stop sort of perceiving what, what's happening. Um, and that allows mm-hmm. them to decide whether they want to have another one mm-hmm. similar to alcohol. Mm-hmm. You are trying to shift how people think about this though. And education historically, if I think like a venture capitalist is really expensive, Right. What do you tell your investor when, when you have this conversation about we're going to change the way people socialize? That's what it says on your LinkedIn, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's what we're going <laughs> to do. Mean, I fucking loved it, man. We're in LA, you know, let the bullshit fly. But um, how do your investors react to that when you say we're going to change the way people socialize? Like, I know that's just a tagline and I'm giving you shit. Yeah, but, but it, but it kind of matters, right? And it matters in this sense, which is. Um, you know, 
anyone can make food products. Anyone can make beverage products. It takes time. You can, you can kind of work through the challenges, but like, why do, why does the world need this product? Like, does it, maybe it doesn't, I don't know that we can have that conversation. Our view and the reason everyone gets up on this team and comes to work every day, and it's not easy doing what we're doing is because we think there's a real chance we can do it. Now it's not going to be like tomorrow and it's not going to be easy. Um, that's why it's hard. That's why our investors are, are giving us their money. Cause they think there's like some chance that if we think about this every mm -hmm. single day, we can achieve it. And the feeling is visceral. People get it. People understand this falling out of love with alcohol. They understand that like both the physical hangover from it, but also the emotional hangover mm -hmm. um, and the pull that it has on our social lives. Yes. Uh, and so even if there's a chance we can change it, like that's kind of worth getting up mm -hmm. for right mm -hmm. every day. Um, but it is hard and it is expensive, right? Um, how do you get people historically have thought about alcohol as their mild intoxicant of choice, caffeine, whatever it is to switch and think about cannabis, particularly with all the history of cannabis, right? In terms of everyone's had a bad experience with it in, you know, that brownie in college that you, you know, couldn't recover from and <laughs> swore off THC. <laughs> That's real. That's it's a real, real feeling that people yep. have. And so how do then we approach them and talk about, well, two milligrams of THC. I have no idea what your brownie had, but it's definitely more than two. It was yeah. probably 10, 20 or something. Yeah. Right. And so how do you have that yeah. 200? Who knows? Yeah. How do you have those conversations with people? They're happening in person. They're happening through sort of our Instagram, our web presence to some extent, but really it's happening in person and that's expensive and it's hard to do. You have to start there, build that kind of community organically, get the message out and then slowly you can amplify. And we're, that's where we're kind of at that point now where we have the wrap down, so to speak. We know how to approach people. We know what to talk to them about. We, we know the questions that they most likely ask us. Um, how do we then take that from those person to person interactions and create a still high quality education experience about the product, but on a, on a higher level, higher amplification. So you talked in great detail about the future and what consumers look like in the future. And I think there is a really quality group of companies in the cannabis industry that are all really focused on the future. And they've raised a lot of money, just like you have, based on this future audience of people who have never tried cannabis and aren't walking into a dispensary. Brings us back to the D, the D to C discussion, right. too. But if you look at what sells in California today, it's like old pal. Yeah. You know, and like the cheapest heavy hitters vape pen, you know, like that's what's selling in California because the the consumer that's buying 80% of the legal cannabis in California, you know, they're only interested in the THC to dollar ratio. Right. That's it. Right. right. And so, look, I believe in what you're doing, but can you make it long enough to get to the future? Right. And then how long is that time period? We, we think about it a lot as we're selling light beer to people in speakeasies at the end of prohibition. Mm -hmm. They don't want light beer, right? They want liquor. They're yeah. in the speakeasy. They've been drinking it through prohibition. Yeah. Um, but that's not the opportunity, right? The opportunity is selling the light beer because that's the mass product. That's the product that's going to appeal to people on a much wider scale. Now, how long does that take? And, and how long can we be the sole people funding it yeah. is, is questions we wrestle with. And I think one of the things we're really doing here is building a category. We think we have a winning product. We don't have a category. Yeah. There is no microdose beverage category yeah. in cannabis today. And so we're really which excited. Which is a strength and a weakness, right? It's a strength and You're a weakness. like creating this thing, which is amazing, but it's very hard to quantify. It's very hard very to quantify hard to and it's very expensive to do. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, we talk a lot about 
you know, what are other folks doing in, in the in the category? And we're really kind of excited to have some more companies yeah. fill up this fridge, put pressure on our retail partners to, you know, blow up a side of their store right. and put a refrigeration aisle, right? right. Or, um, you know, have real conversations when somebody comes into the dispensary about, well, maybe what's right for you is a beverage, you know, depending on, on what you're looking for. And and that's going to take time, but but we think it's coming. So this bottleneck is all about THC. And I'm sure that once upon a time, you had a, the thought process about whether you should do all CBD. Right. You can put it in gas stations and all over the world and e-commerce and everything. Why do we need to have THC in this drink? So THC, we think, is super important. Um both because of what it is and also because of what it's not. Um, and I'll start with what it is. So we want a functional ingredient that people will actually feel. That's super important to us. Mm-hmm. Um, we think that if we're going to change the way we're socializing, go up against alcohol, try to take you know 20% of your alcohol consumption, you're going to want to feel something. I mean, you can always go out and, and drink LaCroix or you could drink a Red Bull. Like, that's great. Um, but we're giving you a mild social buzz. And it, 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 you'll feel something and it will be kind of like depending on who you are, you want to engage a little bit. You want to talk a little bit. You want to do something different than you might otherwise do. That's really important. Also what it's not CBD by itself in a beverage, the jury is still out on. We think, um, there's real concerns about the efficacy of it at what dose does it make sense? Um, how much do you absorb? Uh, those are all really important considerations Mm -hmm. from the beginning. We've always said THC and CBD are buds. They have more fun when they're together. And so we really believe you need both of them to have that, that sort of interaction that entourage people are looking effect. for. The entourage right. effect, which is real in, in, in a beverage. It's real. And even the staunchest of conservatives that really didn't want to try cannabis, when I gave them only hemp or CBD stuff, they're like, well, it didn't work. Right. And even if it's 24 to 1, right. it's still there. You still need that. And I'm not a chemist, but I'm sure there's a lot of other symbiotic relationships in 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 chemistry, in drugs, and other drugs that are required. And this is just the same thing, you yep. know. I, I think the interesting thing is going to be, and a question about this too, is there's all these other cannabinoids, right? Um, and so are we going to see beverages of those, you know? Are we going to have a THCV, like, hunger suppressant right. drink? Or are we going to have, like, sleepy time, whatever? Some like, CBN, yeah. yeah I think, CBN I think as, as we see... You know, the real question there, we follow all the other cannabinoids and progress yeah. there is, is can well, you I cheaply, so. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Can you cheaply extract it? Right. Cause yeah. like, if you think about okay. it, if you line up all the strains of cannabis, um, you know, THC and CBD are predominant cannabinoids. And so the real question is just how does, is it a market evolve for yeah. CBN emulsification, yeah. you know, and, yeah. and I think it will, it just will take some time. Yeah. Well, that's a scientific answer. I'm asking more of a marketing question, you know, like. Does the can you foresee a can line of you know like everybody wants to do right. focus right sleep whatever like maybe, maybe that's too generic you guys are cooler than that but you know like can you see that are you going to be using all the different well we're a social beverage right so uh-huh. it has to fit into this idea of is it social do you want to drink this with yeah. other people and yeah. so maybe it's not the CBN version of yeah, yeah, the yeah, sleepy yeah. Um, product but. But there might be a cannabinoid that we find out, you know, with some research and a little bit of time is perfect for socializing. And that would be really exciting. I think one of the cool things about being in this industry at the point that we are is so much is unknown from a real science standpoint. Uh, Now, some people have chosen to just go market it without really having the science, I think, ready. But once that science comes, um, there's going to be tons of opportunities for us to really think about what is the right mix of cannabinoids in a social beverage. Totally. 
Okay, so when's the D to C coming? I mean, this is like the thing, right? It's like yeah. Uber waiting for autonomous vehicles. Like, like it's either going to work for you guys and be a big thing, right. maybe a subscription model. Is that the is that the plan or potentially? Maybe, uh, we'll yeah. we'll see. I mean, we're, we're still learning kind of how people want to consume this product. Yeah. We we launched um, in the Bay Area right before the Super Bowl. Perfect okay. timing with okay. the Niners in the Super Bowl. We launched a twenty four pack party pack, yeah. which is awesome on shop.drinkhand.com. So okay. our first sort of experiment with uh-huh. with um, D to C. Fulfilled that for you? Um, Flower Co. Okay, they did an amazing job. We're going to rolling it out to more geographies. It's now oh. available in LA. Um, and we're also going to put our six packs up there as well. Okay. And so that this is a sort of early stage, but we're starting to test it. And we're hoping that, um, you know, over time we can really start building. So if you're in LA, that channel, you can order that. Today? You can order it. You can oh, order wow. it today. It's in LA. available. Yeah. Okay. And how yeah. much is a six pack? We sell six packs for $24 and the 24 pack, which is the best price for can 75, 75. Yeah. And that's delivered or extra delivery. Uh, that includes delivery okay. on the 75, um, doesn't include tax. So, so depending on where you live, you'll pay a lot or, or a, lot. a lot. That's a lot. not your fault. <laughs> that's, not um, fault. that's actually a great transition though. So one of the things that I love about your business and the beverage category is I believe it's one of the best fighting chances we have against the black market because as of yet, I haven't seen any dudes walking around selling beverages. Right. And if in fact you can bite off as big of a chunk as everybody hopes you can, um, that might be a really good step for us. I know you didn't get into this to be an activist. This is a business. Right. But, like, there is a small part of that, right? Like, if you can change this, the way people consume cannabis, like, you may actually do us a bigger service than you intended. Right, right. Yeah, I haven't thought about that, but it, it's, a, it's a really good point. I mean, there's... I can't imagine somebody after what we've gone through in the beverage industry wanting to to do a black market beverage because it's it's so hard already. It's so right? hard, yeah. Um, I mean, I don't even know how it would work, like in a bathtub somewhere. No idea. Yeah, no idea. Um, but it, but it is an interesting point, which we you know there were in in before adult use came in some 3000 dispensaries. Right. And so where did all those go? And like, uh, how are we, how are we managing this transition? It's not something that we we're focused on every day, but, but it is something that I think matters, right? We want a healthy legal cannabis industry. Yes. Um, I agree. Beverages are going to be a part of the future. There's also a lot of big, big folks out there that are trying to do this and are doing it. How do you compete with them? Or is the strategy like wink, wink, nod, nod, when you're ready, hmm. come by us? You know, are you having those conversations? Like, yeah. Yeah. So we, it's, it's an interesting question. Um, from a, in, in the very early days, we were convinced that we were the first to think about this idea. We were like, this is, this is brilliant. Well, Why has no one that, thought yeah. about like a micro dose <laughs> yeah. beverage, right? And then we got into it and we were like, holy shit this is really hard. Yeah. Uh, everyone's tried this and failed. Yes. And, and so then it's like, are we going to be able to do it? And I think what, what helped us was we were singularly focused on it for like eight months, Luke and I in a room solving these science problems, calling people like crazy meeting with people all over the state, trying to figure out, can you actually do this? Can you do it in a beverage? Can you make it taste delicious? Put it in a can. There are all sorts of issues we had to go over. And I think that it's really, really hard for a, for a large company to, to work that fast. Mm-hmm. It's just their, their product development cycles 
18 months. Um, you know, they have existing supply chains, partners that they work with that are just slower where we're paying expediting fees. We're running, we're like picking stuff up that we can grab sure. in person and driving it across the state. Like, I mean, that's the advantage of a little startup. You know, you can exactly. be scrappy. And yeah. I think that helped us get to market first. Mm-hmm. Your point's a good one, though, which is we're not going to be the only one in yeah. the market. And so what does that look like? I mean, we're very eager for for well-capitalized competitors to come in. We don't even think of them as competitors. We think of them as category builders. Like, come help us. We need, We can't afford to do all this marketing education and channel work ourselves. And that's that'll be the case in the early days. I think the question for us as a company is, you know, if if the legalization environment changes in, in a certain way, that AB InBev can can make a real move, um, or some of the tobacco companies that are interested in the category can make a real move. You know, what do you want to do there? And I think the real question is about distribution. Um, you know, if if the legal environment changes and distribution though is still kind of state by state and, and, and regulate it that way. And, um, through dispensaries, uh, then it probably makes sense for us to continue to, to, to compete. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you know, if this is available in traditional retail and we think long-term like microdose beverages and microdose products should be regulated differently than higher dose products because they're just different products. Yeah. There's different risk profiles around them. Yeah. Um, if that were ever to split and bifurcate and you could buy this in a, you know, a grocery store or in a liquor store even, um, then that, that calculus changes because there's existing distribution networks. There's a ton of capital and in, in, in alcohol and, 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 and soft drink um, distribution that may make more sense for them to own the business. Right. Um, but right now we're loving what we're doing. It's super exciting. Um, the beverage business is hard and challenging. The cannabis business is even harder and more challenging. Yes. Um, so we're keeping busy, uh, doing so it brings all up a really interesting question. You went to, you have a Stanford MBA. Yes. Your co-founder has a, Harvard MBA. Correct. You two could have done anything you wanted. Let's just be real about that, right? You graduate from, there's not too many MBA programs in the world like that, but I have a lot of other friends that went through similar programs. I didn't. I didn't. I wasn't qualified to begin with. But anyway, why cannabis? I mean, you guys are sort of like the prototype of like, yeah, they like worked at Bain. Right. And now they're coming in this industry. And look, you, you guys are cool people. This is the second time I hung out with you. I like your product, but like you could be in anything, you know, why, why cannabis? Yeah. I mean, I ask myself this question all the time. Yeah, you must. Yeah. It's like, what are we doing here? Um, but, but no, I think for me, I always wanted to start a consumer brand. That was sort of the thread that tied even, you know, all the consulting investing work that I've done in the past was all thinking about like, it's, we live in such an interesting time to start consumer brand. The pace of change is accelerating. You have the ability, you know, not always in the way we would wish in the cannabis industry, but but to reach a lot of people digitally in a way that you weren't able to before, which helps launch brands. It doesn't always sustain them, but it helps launch them. And so, uh, and, and you have an environment where, um, you know, the, the startup costs, the things that we had to go do from a packaging standpoint, labeling standpoint, um, even formulation, ingredient sourcing is becoming easier and easier, more democratic. There's better access. And so it's really exciting time to go think about building a product. Um, and so I think Luke and I both shared this, this, this idea that, you know, looking at the cannabis industry from the outside in a lot of ways, there was a missing piece. Thousands of years of human history we socialized around beverage. Like, let, let's make a beverage then. That, that, that makes perfect sense. Like, mm-hmm. we consume mild intoxicants and caffeine and alcohol. Let's just do it with cannabis as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and that idea was really exciting. And then when we started seeing how it played out with our friends, with people around us, and they could say, oh, my God, 
I had two cans last night. I drank two beers instead of seven at the bar, slept great. Didn't, wasn't hung over the next day. Like this is how I'm going to survive my thirties, right? Or whatever it is, or I'm a young mom and my two-year-old wakes me up at six in the morning. Like I can't have two glasses of wine before bed, but I can have two cans and that's totally changed my life. Um, those are really cool. Like so moments are for these, us. these are examples people have given you. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Examples okay. we hear. And it, I think in the early days, I mean, we approached this like you would imagine Harvard and Stanford MBAs would approach it, right? We, we prototyped a product, we tested it with a ton of consumers. Mm-hmm. We listened like we were wrong. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and in some cases we were, and we made changes. And then, um, once we launched the product, we were still like hyper-focused on, you know, is this right? Is the, is the, the fit here going to work? Um, what can we change? How do we, how do we position it differently? And in some ways we got really lucky that we had created something that was beautiful that mm-hmm. we didn't even realize at the time the the impact that the packaging was going to have. We knew the product tasted great because we wouldn't have started it unless we could actually formulate something well, delicious. Totally. Uh, I tell this people all the time. I think I told you before, you have the best tasting one by far. It tastes like food, right? which is way different than whatever LaCroix chemical thing. I mean, I've tried every beverage. Yeah. We've had other beverage companies on this show. I'm sure we'll have more in the future, but I just like your guy's product. It's, it's really simple, you know, and right. I do believe that in the world, the best products should win. It's infrequently that. It's not always the case. Uh, that's not always the case. Um, but I do believe that's... And so this has been really fun, man. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Well. your beautiful office here. I feel like uh, Zach Galifianakis with these, Between, uh, these ferns. Two ferns. These ferns. Um, I want to shift gears just a bit. Yeah. Talk about you as a founder, sort of Great. behind the, uh, the curtain. So you talked about... Uh, we talked about your background and Bane and everything. But... When you wake up in the morning, how do you see yourself? Like, are you an entrepreneur? Are you a creative? Are you, you know, like, right? How do you view you? Yeah, it's it's, it's an interesting question. I haven't really thought a lot about. I, I just thought of the question right yeah, now. Yeah, it's so, a great yeah, question. There's no way that you could have thought. About you it. often don't. Um, <laughs> you often don't sort of wake up and think, oh, how how do I? It's more like sort of how do you feel? Um, but that's a different question, right? It, yeah, mood is a separate thing from like identity, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, I think I think yeah. it probably is. Yeah. I think there's some interplay, right? Um, I think that. It depends on the day, which is a weird answer, but but hear me out. Mm-hmm. So some days I feel like an entrepreneur because it's very much like get up, starting the day. There's like five emails I need to get through. All five of them are completely different things that you would have an, an employee to, to handle, right, at any company. But I'm doing it all because there's no one on the team to do it, and mm-hmm. that's great. Mm-hmm. Um, that I really feel like an entrepreneur. Then there are other days like on our Wednesdays where we do all of our brand stuff, um, and that's like creative. And I'm, 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 I know that I'm annoying our director of brand and content, Luke, everybody that's involved by just like tweaking the littlest things about copy. Like, what are we trying to say with this? Or what's at stake in this copy, right? And they're like, we just need to sign it off. Like boxes need to go to print by the end of the day. And like that, I feel like really creative. Like we're actually doing something here. Like the details matter. Mm-hmm. Um, the line art that we put together on, on the packaging was like countless iterations to get first to find a designer that was able to sort of take this vision that we had of like sort of an appetizing view of as you as you inspected it further while potentially drinking can it became more interesting to you it kind of mm-hmm. had this like upward movement just mm-hmm. like you might be going mm-hmm. he uplifted into this social experience those are like details um you know you can choose to care about them or not we do and that has a big impact those are the days i feel really creative yeah yeah um it, it just depends so you're a hybrid i think a hybrid yeah hybrid is a fair answer <laughs> uh, okay, so at the end of the day, when you're done 
changing the way people socialize. Right. Um, <laughs> producer Eric likes that line too. Uh, we're in the back half of the episode, so like the number of people that drop off. Like can you see that through. as like data where you oh, can Oh, fuck yeah, yeah. And so like the back half of the episode is like, I mean, people listen. There's people listening right now. Absolutely. There's Great. like a core 2,000 people Fantastic. that listen to every moment. And I love them with everything I have. But there's thankfully a lot more people that listen to like 12 minutes. Right, you know? right. Okay, whatever. They got what you did. They, they came for what they got what they came for. Try a can though. Honestly, it really is that good. I have a lot of products on this thing. We bullshit sometimes. We try to have good people on the show that are interesting. Your product is really that good, and I wish you the best. I hope that Anheuser Busch doesn't fuck it up or whoever else. Is yeah, we won't let them come in. Well, <laughs> that's nice of you to say, but <laughs> we're talking about you know some behemoths in the world. Um, do you like other weed like besides your own your own stuff? It's so funny because I did before starting this company, yeah. right, and then for a period of time, this was all I drank yeah. and I was just like fatigue, right? That I couldn't have one other cannabis product. Yeah. Um, and then now it's almost been the opposite where I'll bring this wherever I go, but I never drink it cause I were I'm constantly like running out of stock. And so I'm, I always want whoever I'm with to drink it. You have all of them, right? Mm-hmm. Share them. I don't want them. So now I've almost entirely stopped drinking the product in a strange way. Um, but, but no, there's a ton of great products out there. I, I love all, I love all the other beverages, trying them, just getting a sense of like, like we're at how the they Oscars, work. Like all the other nominees. Well, like... I just, I just drink <laughs> different amounts of each, right? If it's, you know, it's a hundred milligram lemonade, I'm drinking a capful, right? right. Not, not <laughs> Was this supposed to be shots? I don't yeah, know. exactly. <laughs> no. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> um, do you watch Jesus and Miro? Do you know what Don't that show know. is? Okay. This is a late night show. Okay. But they do this thing where like at a corner store or a bodega, there's all night neon signs, right? Much like this. Yeah. One, right? Love the neon sign. So I didn't even read this. Highly social. Okay. So if you had one of these signs above your head everywhere you went for the rest of your life, and it can't be highly social, what would your neon sign say? Wow. Um, changing the way people socialize. Okay. There you go, man. <laughs> this has been so fun. Yeah, been Thank great. you for having us. Thanks for having and, me. And uh, try a can. Yes, please You'll do. like it. They're great. 